BET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining. By now, we've heard just about every cliche there is about the pandemic and all the ways it's been, quote, unprecedented, all the ways it has turned our worlds upside down, and even the ways it's caused so much loss and anguish has become almost normalized as we're pushed to go about our day-to-day lives. While examining the fact that many of us have become collectively numb to all of this pain is a separate and concerning issue, we've also gotten pretty good at hunkering down and leveling up on the domestic front to entirely new levels of cozy. For those of us who are working from home, our pandemic safe routines have become the stuff of legend. The morning meditation, our beloved stretch pants, that favorite spot on the couch where you enjoy lunch, the level of familiarity you have with your neighbor's dog walking schedule or with the flowers and the schedule with which they're blooming on your block. There's something comforting, I think it's safe to say, at about the predictability of the little pandemic lives we lead. They have kept us safe and mostly sane. And now as the weather warms and more people get vaccinated, the possibility of doing something different is maybe a little unsettling to a lot of us. I think there's some anxiety and apprehension about what normal is going to mean in terms of giving up the things that you've adopted during the pandemic that maybe you really like, that maybe keep you a little saner, that maybe make life a little more manageable. Today, I want to spend the hour talking with someone who recently wrote a piece for The Atlantic on this very topic, titled The Coming Nostalgia for Hypernesting. Devin Powers is an associate professor at the Klein College of Media and Communication at Temple University and the author of On Trend, The Business of Forecasting the Future. Devin Powers, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. So let's start with your own personal pandemic life. You describe it at the beginning of your piece. And here's what you wrote. You say, I work from home. I wear pants without buttons. I spend Friday nights watching a movie or doing laundry and Saturday nights Zooming with friends. This little world is equal parts dull and intense. Everyone I know is sad, exhausted, antsy, and resigned. I can't wait to leave these confines behind, and yet this world is mine. I think a lot of us can relate to that strange contentment and safety we've created through these little routines that we've carved out for ourselves. Talk more about the sense of agency you have over the world inside your home and inside your pandemic life. Well, I think there's a couple of different dimensions to this. You know, now that we've been under lockdown of various kinds for the last 13, 14 months. Um, It's almost like we have eras of the pandemic, right? So, you know, in the beginning when we were bringing all of our, you know, I was going grocery shopping once a week. I was wiping down everything for 45 minutes afterwards. Um, I was very reluctant to have takeout or even mail brought to the house. You know, I run from UPS delivery people. Um, But now, you know, I, uh, I feel much more comfortable with the kind of restraints that I've put on. Um, You know, I feel comfortable getting a pizza delivered, for instance. Um, 
Uh, but I also have gotten very used to just being in my house all the time. Um, I've gotten used to, uh, you know, going to the grocery store, running in, running out. I've gotten used to walking down the sidewalk and pulling up my mask as I see someone. It's almost like a greeting. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that has, you know, f for better or for worse, um, that has become a very comforting routine that I've had to get used to as a way of just managing the world as it is now. And, and yet I think in some ways, at least for me, there's a little bit of guilt, I think, that I feel about having these feelings, right? So I, I, I'm with you on the idea that it's more comfortable to spend more time at home, even if that's time that you're working. And I think all of us have developed habits and routines uh, that we have come, in some cases, to, to really like. And when you think of going back to every day in the office or, or somehow away from all of this, um, uh, I, I feel like, uh, you know, we're, we're anxious about that. But at the same time, I feel a little guilty, I guess, about that feeling because the pandemic is what caused all of this. The pandemic is what gave us all of these things. And I should be happy that the pandemic is getting better and that we're able to go back to the rest of our lives. I feel as though um, maybe there's something wrong with missing the things that we're maybe about to give up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, if there's anything that like, I feel like the pandemic has taught me, it's that there are, there's a good side and a bad side to almost everything. You know, life never gives us a straightforward lesson that like, uh, very rarely is it a straightforward lesson. Um, and I think, you know, uh, one of the things that I've tried to do, and I think many people have tried to do is try to find something that you can gain from this experience, try to learn a lesson, you know, and um, if that lesson was valuable, if that lesson was something like, you know, maybe I shouldn't be working all weekend, maybe I should be spending more time with my kids, uh, maybe I should shouldn't be spending so money, so much money on takeout, and instead I should learn how to cook. You know, I don't think that those things are bad things, and I don't think that those things are things that people should feel guilty about. And yet, as you uh, you know astutely say, they are tethered to this awful thing that has happened to all of us, this thing that has brought so much loss and so much devastation, right? So that's why it's like, you know, it's a bittersweet thing, I think, to think about the pandemic ending because we want to hold on to those um, those lessons. You know, we want to hold on to the, the aspects of ourselves that have come alive during this moment that we cherish. And yet at the same time, we go, you know what, I guess I'm going to go back to work and see all my coworkers again. Uh, and we got to, you know, Got to got to steal up for that. Got to steal up for the commute again. Got to steal up for wearing those tight work clothes again that might be a little tight right now. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. um, all of that. Uh, and th there is this this tension, I think, uh, also about uh, now what, right? So what is it that we're going to be asked to give up? What is it that we're going to go back? Too. And I think uh, a lot of us are, are worried about that. A lot of us have a lot of questions about what that will look like. Um, you write 
that in the same way that, quote, not everything about normal life should return, you know, not everyone is ready to rush headlong into a world reopened. Um, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. What about the reopening world is scary for you? Well, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that are scary. You know, um, first and foremost, the pandemic is still happening. You know, I'm actually from Michigan and I was in Michigan um, over the last uh, weekend. I was in Lansing and Lansing right now is the epicenter of cases surging around the country or one of the epicenters. So, you know, um, I have had vaccine shots and yet uh, there's still just so much we don't know about, um, you know, how it's being transmitted about new variants, right? So, um, you know, it still makes me a bit hesitant to think about eating out, out in a restaurant, for instance. Um, it still makes me hesitant to think about gathering with a group of people larger than about three or four. Um, so I think that that's, you know, the, the kind of big headline with what I would be personally worried about. Um, but I think also, you know, for me personally, I would say that when I think about the person that I was in February of 20, uh, 2020 and before, you know, the pre-pandemic person. Um, that was a person who worked every single day. Um, you know, I very rarely took a day off. Um, I often worked in the evenings after dinner. Um, I was very, uh, you know, I would be at the dentist in the morning and then at the gym and then at the office and then I'd have drinks with a friend and then I'd have, you know, my schedule was very packed. I had a very active life. And there's part of me that wonders if I can do that anymore. You know, do I have the mental acuity to kind of manage a schedule that's that busy? Um, and just as a point of comparison, I have plans this weekend. I have one thing today and one thing tomorrow and one thing Sunday, and I'm going, oh my gosh, how am I going to do one thing out of my house every day this weekend? <laughs> you know, it feels very overwhelming when, you know, um, you know, on a regular Friday or Saturday, you know, in 2019, I would regularly be running around the city all day. So, um, you know, again, I hope other people can relate to that, just this idea of wondering, will you be that person that you were before? And if you're not going to be that person, uh you know, what, what is your new self capable of? Yeah. I'm talking with Devin Powers. She's an associate professor at the Klein College of Media and Communication at Temple University and the author of On Trend, The Business of Forecasting the Future. She recently wrote a piece for The Atlantic titled The Coming Nostalgia for Hypernesting. And we are talking about what, the, what our lives are going to feel like and look like when the pandemic quote unquote ends. And I know that's a controversial phrase in and of itself. We don't know when or whether the pandemic will actually end, but already we're starting to see the world kind of go back to things that we knew before and expectations that we will go back to things as we knew them before. Uh, we're talking about the anxiety that some of us feel about that, uh, that, that some of the things we've started to do and embraced during the pandemic are actually better than the things that we were doing before, at least feel better than some of the things that we were doing before. Uh, we're talking about pandemic nostalgia, the things that uh, we may miss once we get back to a world that is full of interaction uh, and expected interaction like the one we had before. Uh, we would love to hear from you this hour as we discuss this uh, subject. Uh, give us a call. Tell us 
Are there things about your life during the pandemic that you think you're going to miss when we're able to do more of the things we did before last spring? What are some of the things you've been doing to adjust your life to make it easier to cope during the pandemic? And what perspective has the pandemic given you about what's important in your life? I think for a lot of us, uh, the forced staying at home, the forced staying away from other people, as painful as that was, also gave us a sense of what was important or what was most important in our lives and gave us time to explore those things and reconnect in those spaces. Uh, I'd love to hear about, uh, about the way that has affected you over the last 12 months. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, uh, and we will work you into the conversation. Uh, also, give us a call and let us know if you're somebody who is absolutely eager to get back to the world as it was before. If, uh, if the things that, uh, that we've been forced to do have just been too much for you and uh, you feel isolated uh, in pandemic world and you feel like uh, the world needs to get back to more interaction uh, and more expected uh, interaction um, uh, once once we are actually able to do it. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Um, uh, Devin, I, I want to ask you about how this fits into the context of work, uh, which I think is maybe different than the way it fits into the context of, of socializing. Um, you know, work is something we have to do, and work is a place where we don't have as much control uh, over, over the things that we do or decide not to do. What should we expect from our workplaces in terms of their tolerance for this pandemic nostalgia? Uh, what should we expect from our bosses uh, about being being patient with people who may be uh, somewhat shocked by what what the world feels like uh, when we go back to this interactive space. Yeah, well, um, what I would say to that is that the world of work means different things for different people. Um, I want to be very clear that, you know, the pandemic that I've had, I'm a college professor. I've taught my classes from home since March of 2020. Um, I recognize that that is a privileged position and that there are, you know, a lot of people who've been going in someplace, whether that's a grocery store or a lab or, um, you know, people who work in food service who've been going into work. Um, so some people have not had the luxury to be able to sort of hunker down during this pandemic. Um, but for those people who have, I think we're hearing um, some very clear messages that like work from home is here to stay um, which I would put an asterisk next to um, for a couple of reasons. First, I think that working from home has been very stressful for uh, people who are managing children at home, uh, people who are taking care of elderly, elderly relatives or who may have a partner who is ill. Um, and uh, so the management of home and work life and all of the chaos that that has brought um, will probably make some people very eager to go back into an office space if they can, if only to get some distance um, from those stresses. Uh, but at the same time, I do think that there's going to be a fair number of people who 
for whatever reason, be it anxiety or just convenience, are going to be looking to, um, you know, decrease the time that they spend in an office. There's also, uh, you know, managers and executives and um, people who make decisions about these things who are thinking about shrinking the real estate footprint um, of people, you know, of their offices. They don't want to have as much space. I have a good friend who said that his um, his company has decided to take a fifth. They're going for 20% of the office space that they had before. So that means, you know, 80% of his colleagues are now going to be expected to be out of the office most of the time. Um, so that's going to create whole different work dynamics. And I think we're going to see a lot of... Um, adjustment. And even so, even when we sort of return to things that look normal, there's just going to be these points of friction as workplaces try to figure out both the mental health and the needs of their employees who now have a new perspective and new demands around flexibility. And as workplaces sort of try to still continue to figure out what works and what doesn't and what the hybrid workplace will look like. So I think we're in for a fairly long period of adjustment. I don't think it's just going to snap back into a sort of neat hybrid because hybrid means different things to different people. And um, for every person that's yearning to get back to an office and have some distance away from their house and their cat and their laundry and everything, Mm -hmm. uh, there are people who are very much ready to just kind of stay the course. Um, and that's that's going to take some time to figure out. And I guess I've been surprised by the number of employers who already have said, hey, this is different, and hey, we're cool with that, right? Uh, some really big employers have said, work from home from now until the end of the year or into next year. And I, I feel like that's maybe setting the table for more profound and long-lasting changes. In other words, the things that we've done right now may become permanent in in some ways and in some workplaces. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is especially important for younger people who are entering the workplace. You know, when I think of college graduates who envision themselves moving to a city and maybe going to an office place, that that might not be what this looks like. You know, for those people Um, who are just entering the workforce, they may not enter a traditional office place. Um, I don't want to say ever, but I do want to say for the foreseeable future, a lot of companies are going to test this out. And I do think we'll we'll find out over time that this works for some businesses and some sectors better than others. I do think also some of the, the companies that are saying, you know, work from home indefinitely are going to realize that there are aspects of their business and their operations that suffer by virtue of not having those serendipitous office conversations um, by the water cooler or over coffee that sort of help things to move along. Hmm. But like I said, I think there's going to be a long period of adjustment. I don't think there's a one size fits all for every company or every person, but I do think we've all gotten that taste of what our work lives could be like. And so there's going to be a lot more demands. Um, And as those demands sort of come along, you know, we will, you know, companies and businesses will have to adjust. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this really interesting conversation with Devin Powers. And we will get to your calls and social media comments. Gloria in Southwest Detroit, Craig in Southfield, and a special caller, my friend Lynn Galadner. We will hear from you next. If you want to join them on the phones, 313-577-1019. 
is the number here. Call and tell us the things that you will miss about pandemic life once the world gets back to normal, whatever we have decided that means. Stay tuned for more Detroit Today. News, music, culture, and community. Every day on 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest this hour is Devin Powers. She's an associate professor at the Klein College of Media and Communication at Temple University and the author of On Trend, The Business of Forecasting the Future. She recently wrote a piece for The Atlantic titled The Coming Nostalgia for Hypernesting, all of the things that we are doing to accommodate the pandemic that has uh, ravaged our planet, the habits that we've formed, the things that we're doing as a matter of routine that keep us at home and maybe make us feel a little more comfortable with the world, with work with socializing. Uh, Some of us have actually come to like the things that define pandemic life and maybe are a little anxious about the idea of the world going back to quote-unquote normal. We want to hear from you this hour as well. How are you feeling about the return to life as normal? How are you feeling about giving up some of the things that you may have come to really like about the world uh, in the middle of a pandemic? Uh, How are you planning to adjust to the expectations that almost certainly will attend uh, that return to normal? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET uh, Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, I want to go to uh, a special caller that we have today. Uh, my friend Lynn Galadner uh, is a longtime journalist here in Michigan and owner and chief creative officer of Your People LLC. She's also the host of this really interesting podcast called Make Meaning. And she and I have talked a little about uh, life during the pandemic. I thought she had some really interesting insights into uh, what that will be like to go back to normal. Lynn, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stephen. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, what your life has been like during the pandemic and the things that you'll miss when things go back to normal. You know, I, I feel a little guilty saying that I've benefited or, or seen good things in such an awful time with so much death and fear and, and horrible economic impact as well. But um, you know, when it happened last year, um, I've been saying for years that my schedule was too busy and I needed to streamline and, and slow down. And I was apparently never able to do so. And then the, the pandemic really forced me to. And so um, when it all happened last year and everything was shut down and the kids were home at school, you know, I'm the mom of four teenagers and we were all in this house and my, my kids are really on the cusp of leaving and going to college. And we had these beautiful months last spring and last summer just together and it was so nice to just not have to go anywhere and slow down and eat meals together and cook together, play board games until really late in the night, have really long conversations as we walk through the neighborhood. 
Um, and I actually got to get back to my own writing and, and really um, focus my schedule on having space and downtime, which I have come to really cherish. And I don't want to go back to that crazy racing around that I was uh, you know, subject to beforehand um, and per- personally couldn't get a handle on. So um, I think that's been one of the upsides for me. So looking at the months to come, Lynn, what are you expecting about what will change and, and how are you feeling about it? Yeah, you know, we've seen a little bit of change this spring because um, my kids who are still at home went back to school. They were remote until about March, um, March or April. And so they started going back and then sports started. And all of a sudden we were back to running around and taking people different places at different times. Um, so it already got fraught. And then, of course, one of them got COVID. And so and they're fine, no symptoms, but um, it it thrust us back to stopping. And it sort of reminded me, like, look what can happen when we when we jump back in fully like that. And so I do think we're going to have to learn to temper the schedule and say no to things. But I have been planning a couple of little trips, uh, one-on-one trips with each of my kids in the coming months. And I think that's really important to ground us in stepping away um, and just having that quiet time. And so you know, there are trips that are going to be um, not to populated places, really hiking and in wilderness, but to have that time together and um, and just breathe. And I think that I have to purposefully plan those in going forward so that we can we can anchor um, the busy times with with times of rest as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Devin Powers, I wonder what you make of what uh, my friend Lynn is talking about here. Yeah. I mean, I just hear so much. um that I concur with and that I agree with in what she's saying. And I think that, you know, this sense of, of slowness and of taking time to sort of breathe and connect with the people in our lives has been one of the most wonderful things of the pandemic. Um, you know, this, um, this year I reconnected with friends from high school that I haven't really been in touch with for 20 years. You know, I, um, I connected with uh, friends from abroad that I haven't talked to in a long time because they were always home and I was always home. So I could just text them and say, hey, how about a Zoom right now? Um, And most of the time they were up for it. So (laughs) I think that that is just so important. Um, You know, I also got to spend a lot of uh, some time with my parents. Um, You know, I I FaceTime with my mom, which is something that neither of us would ever do because like we don't have our face on. Right. But but uh, (laughs) now, you know, it's like anytime I, I need to talk to my mom, I do. And that's just been so wonderful. So, um, you know, sometimes it's in the face of adversity that we really come to appreciate the things that matter. And I think that that's, you know, you know, that to me is the the headline of this past year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lynn, before I let you go, tell me about maybe the one thing that you will fight to the end to preserve uh, out of uh, out of your life now once the world goes back to normal what's the thing you won't give up so i'm going to say two things if you don't mind sure. um, but one is that i've really developed more of a writing routine for myself which i've been saying i wanted to get back to for years and so every morning i start the day with an hour hour and a half of doing my writing which has been really fruitful and amazing and so now it's like a habit and i definitely uh, will keep that but the other thing, and you had mentioned my podcast at the beginning, um, our next episode, which airs Monday, features my husband, Dan, and my best friend, Elisa Peskin-Shepard, who's a divorce lawyer, and we talk about the pandemic's impact on relationships. And Dan and I talk about how we've grown so much closer in the past year, even though we've been together for 12 years, 
Um, we, we just have had so much time together and we've made it a priority and I will fight to the death for that. So that will be something that, um, I don't want to go back to being ships passing and, you know, you take this kid here, I take that kid there. Like we have really prioritized connecting, um, each day, the two of us, no matter what. And, and I'm going to fight to keep that. Yeah. Okay. Lynn, really great to have you here with us on the show. Thanks so much for calling in. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Have a great day. You too. Okay, let's go to Gloria in southwest Detroit. Gloria, welcome to the show. You there, Gloria? Hello. Hi. Hi, Gloria. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, well, I, I appreciate the topic and there's a lot to say. I'm a retired, actually, was forced into retirement. Uh, not, I was getting ready to retire, and so I just retired because I couldn't go back to work as I used, was doing it. But what I think this time has taught me and is teaching me is the importance of, as we go back, to look at the systems that we need to change. And they, obviously many exploded and imploded, and they, they didn't work. But systems of leadership, of school, of health, and systems that um, now we need to transition into, not back to, but into a new mode. And importantly is to, in my opinion, I learned a lot from nature. And nature has a lot of experience in its own systems, and they work. And the other piece I want to mention is, as, as we nested, and many of us were really privileged. I was one. I didn't have to worry about working. I didn't have to worry about housing, et cetera, et cetera, like many people have and continue to worry about. And so in rethinking our systems, we absolutely, in my opinion, need to include those individuals that were most affected by this Mm. so that their experience is valued and it, it becomes part of the new system that works for them and works for anybody who was privileged enough not to have to have so many of the worries that people, and I'm not minimizing anybody's pain by any means. So um, that's what I'm thinking, creating new patterns, creating new systems um, that work, and they are simply a means to an end. So keep revising them. So one quick example, in nature, you watch the geese fly, and and many birds do in a V formation, the head bird, is the leader, but when she or he gets tired, moves to the back to let somebody else lead. I think we need to come up with some very creative and exciting and humanizing and community-creating systems that do uh, exemplify the different things that we want to be and become as human beings, fully whole and fully alive. Yeah. So those are my thoughts, very um, hopefully coherent. No, no, they they absolutely are, Gloria, and, and you're a woman after my own heart here in terms of talking about systems and kind of infrastructure and the way in which we do things on a collective scale uh, versus how we do them on an individual scale. I do agree with you absolutely that uh, the pandemic is not just an opportunity, but a calling to think about systems and the ways in which we do things. Devin, I wonder what you make of uh, Gloria's comments here. Yeah, I I 100% agree. Um, You know, I don't think that it's an accident that 
this year amid the pandemic and all of the devastation and economic hardship that so many people have gone through, we've also seen a reckoning around race and racism. We've also seen um, so much activism around things like police brutality. We've seen a rise in um, awareness about climate change and just all of these different things that, you know, the old normal were, uh, that were just fundamental to the old normal. And I think when people think about going back Part of the anxiety, and I'll, re- I'll also say the anger, is that people don't want to just revert back to the way that things were, because the way that things were was not good for lots and lots of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen during the pandemic a real um, stratification in terms of the people who have weathered and even made money during the pandemic and come out you know, even better, and the people who have been left behind. So... Um, you know, that is, a, that is also going to be part of that struggle and that adjustment and that period of transition that I think is going to be going on for quite some time as we figure out how to address these systems and how to change these things that really need to change so that we can have a more equitable society. Yeah. Um, and I also want to say that I think Gloria's point really speaks to the fact that one of the things that so many of us have done during this pandemic is connect more deeply to our communities. You know, whether that's mutual aid societies or, um, you know, in my neighborhood, we had mask trees uh, and people Mm. were sewing masks for people and sort of hanging them up in public places or fetching groceries or even just talking to your neighbors because they're there and they're the people you can sort of connect to and that are keeping watch of you. Um, I think that that has been a wonderful thing. Um, and it's it's the first step towards kind of bigger changes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. You can also go to the Facebook page here at WDET or to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And uh, we'll try to work your comments into uh, our conversation here. Uh, Big Neo on Twitter says, the only thing I will be nostalgic for will be the fewer cars on the road. When the shutdown first happened, the streets were almost empty. And as an essential worker, it was a nice relief from the traffic on the way to and from work. <laughs> That's a really interesting uh, take on, on something you'll miss during the the, the pandemic. Uh, Big Neo, I, I have to say, I've already noticed more traffic here uh, in Detroit on, on our trunk lines and uh, on the highways. Uh, but thanks very much for the comment. Let's go to uh, Tara in Ypsilanti. Tara, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Hi. Um, I just want to reflect um, again on, on Gloria's comments about, you know, connecting with nature, because that's such a big deal to me as well. But um, another thing that your guests had mentioned at the beginning of the show is just, you know, folks who are working from home who have kids at home wanting to get back to work quickly. Well, I live alone. And I've, I really want to get back to work, too, because being this isolated is very difficult for me. Um, and I also started a new job during this time, hmm. and it, it backfired because I was onboarding remotely, and it just made everything much more difficult. And I'm, I'm actually going back to my old job now. And uh, Tara, talk about, um, I guess, talk about the anxiety that you have felt during the pandemic, uh, trying to adjust. I think that's pretty, that's pretty common too for a lot of folks. Yeah. It's just, I mean, (laughs) you've got to plan your life in such a way, uh, you know, to try to see people, but 
you're also kind of worried. And I'm also an essential worker. I was at the beginning of the pan- pandemic, so I'm in healthcare. Um, and it was difficult because I, I really, I wanted to see my patients too. Um, and I do outreach work and, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was hard to even connect with my patients. Um, and they're also very isolated. So I can really relate to the isolation that a lot of my single patients, um, feel because I'm, I myself am single in here at my house by myself. So, um, it's just, I don't know. It's, I don't know really what else to say about it. But. Yeah. Yeah. No, Tara, I'm, I'm really glad, uh, I'm really glad you called and shared it. It's a really different perspective than the one we're talking about. And I think it's something that a lot of people are feeling. Devin Powers, I, I'm sure you're hearing from people who feel the way Tara does as well. Yeah. I just want to say to Tara that, um, Personally, I went through a divorce during the pandemic. So um, I started living with a partner and uh, for the last, uh, since September, I have lived alone. So I absolutely understand that isolation that you feel when you are by yourself and that sense that, you know, you just want to, you know, there could be days where you don't see another person in person at all, you know, if you don't leave your house um, and where you definitely don't, you know, hug another person or have a face to face conversation. So um, I don't think, you know, I do know that there are some people that uh, that are very introverted that sort of have learned to to cherish that experience, too. But I don't want to diminish that loneliness um, at all. And I have definitely felt it myself as well. Um but I guess the thing that I would say just uh, in, in terms of being someone who went through a divorce during this time is that it's been almost easier for me to um, imagine, like to go through this moment at a time when I know that the whole world is going through mm-hmm. a moment of transition and mm-hmm. change and to say like, well, you know what, um, I don't have any plans on Friday night, but neither does anybody. <laughs> so therefore, you know, I can... Boat. <laughs> We're all in the same boat. Um, and I've I've tried to sort of take some solace in that. Uh, comfort might not be the right word, but I've tried to take a little bit of solace in just saying, you know, I I know that there are other people who are who are like me, and I know that I'm not going through this alone, and just trying to reach out to people when I can. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue this conversation with Devin Powers. And we will continue to hear from you as well on the phones and on social media. Brian and Dearborn, Craig and Southfield, we'll get to you next. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter, put comments there, and we'll try to work them into the conversation. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Today on 1019 WDET, I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. My guest this hour is uh, Devin Powers. She's an associate professor at the Klein College of Media and Communication at Temple University and the author of On Trend, The Business of Forecasting the Future. She also recently wrote a piece for The Atlantic titled The Coming Nostalgia for Hypernesting. The things we have been doing during the pandemic, uh, keeping to ourselves, turning toward our kind of inner lives uh, because we had to. But for a lot of us, uh, that 
requirement really became something of a joy. Uh, many of us found spaces and time for spaces that we didn't really feel like we had before. Many of us found routines and parts of our lives that we've come to rely on that we might be reluctant to give up, to go back to a world that requires so much physical and social interaction. We want to hear from you this hour about how you're feeling about that. Are you anxious about the idea of going back to quote-unquote normal, whatever that word means to you? Uh, Are you nervous about post-pandemic life? Are you nervous about what that means for work or social uh, or your kid's school uh, experience. Uh, give us a call at 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work you into the conversation. Let's go to Brian in Dearborn. Brian, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. Hey. So uh, <laughs> I, I've got a little bit of a contrarian view today. Okay. Um, you know, and it's a little bit based off history. It, it, we had the Spanish flu in the late 1910s, and then in the 1920s we experienced the Roaring Twenties and a rise in political extremism. We had the rise of the Ku Klux Klan, um, an increase in terrorism against black persons, and then actually something that we don't talk about very often, but a a rise in anarcho-terrorism, which happened quite often in the 20s. And so we've already seen how isolation really breeds political extremism. I think we're going to see more of that. It's kind of, it's already happened. It's going to keep going on. And I think we're going to have a a new decade of uh, debauchery and extroversion, because that's where things tend to go after this stuff. So uh, that, that's what I think is going to happen. It's and- <laughs> really interesting. Uh, I, I, that's a really interesting perspective, Brian. I'm really glad you called and, and, and shared it. I wonder before I, I turn to our guest, Devin Powers, if you could talk about what you think should happen. Are you saying we should, as quickly as we can, get back to a world where people are interacting uh, with each other to try to, I guess, mitigate the effects of, of uh, that debauchery you're talking about? Well, humans are social animals, and so, and, and we tend to go from extreme to extreme. And so I think when we have an extreme isolation, the, the bounce back is the extreme uh, extroversion. And so, you know, I'm not sure really what at this point could be done to, to sort of fix that way in which human nature works. But I think maybe the best thing that we can do is yeah, get together and communicate more with people in a higher quality way, because I think so much of the extreme dialogue going on in our country is because of the fact we're not in person having high quality communication. You just don't say the crazy stuff people say right now when you're in front of somebody. And so I think that's had a big impact on us. And uh, and, and I do think that, you know, the Roaring Twenties, when we look back at that, so much of that just seems like, wow, you know, it makes more sense now that we've been through our own pandemic. They had the Spanish flu. Mm. Now I get it. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh, Brian, uh, re- again, I really appreciate uh, the call and that perspective. Devin Powers, what do you make of that? Uh, are we headed for an even rougher decade of, of social behavior and, and interaction because of the isolation that we've all experienced over the last year? 
Well, I think we've already had a couple, uh, uh, you know, some rough years before us. Um, and I think that there's one way to think about the pandemic as an accelerant, right? It's like pressing the gas on some social dynamics. So if we had uh, political extremism, if we had polarization, if we had, um, you know, mass shootings and gun violence and those kinds of things happening, um, you could say that the pandemic sort of pushed a lot of those things along. It also pushed along things along, um, you know, with technology and um, with different social dynamics, right? So it's not just those kind of uh, negative or antisocial dynamics that I think have been accelerated. Um, I guess the second thing I would say is that I think there's all kinds of stories we can tell about the, the world that we will enter. I do think there will be that strand of kind of debauchery and sort of a roaring 20s kind of mentality that will come out. Um, but I also think we're still going through an opioid crisis. We're still going through a massive mental health crisis in this country. Um, and I think that those dynamics will be there as well, right? So that's why I say it's sort of about the story we stories we want to tell. Um, and that there's always multiple ways of being that are happening in society at any given time. Yeah, yeah. Again, Brian, really appreciate the call uh, and uh, the comments. Uh, Zach on Twitter says, the way we lived in the before times caused the pandemic to affect us this badly, just as much as the pandemic caused us to do things differently. A really interesting uh, perspective on sort of cause and effect uh, here. Let's go to Craig in Southfield. Craig, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. Hey, how are you? I'm fine. Um, hey, very interesting conversation, by the way. Thank you. Uh, so what I told you, Screener, was um, I, I think uh, what this pandemic has exposed more than anything from a societal perspective is that we have become very, very selfish as a whole. Um, it's all about me. You know, I got to get back to normal, normal as it pertains to my life. Well, what we need to do is embrace the new normal. We need to embrace the new normal as it pertains to looking out for our fellow man, our society as a whole. It's not about me. And I think that's what this isolation has convinced me and conveyed to me that it's not about me. You know, uh, the world does not revolve around Craig's little inner world. It we, we are a part of society, and I think we forgot that. That's why the rush to get back to this normal hmm. is so prevalent, because everybody wants to get back to focusing on them. <laughs> and I think what we need to do is start focusing on society as a whole. Yeah. Craig, I uh, really appreciate the call and those thoughts. Uh, Devin, that's, a, that's an interesting kind of flip side to the argument, right? Uh, the idea that uh, people are trying to get back to a kind of selfishness that that defined life before the pandemic but then there's other people who say that the desire to to kind of be by yourself and not interact with others uh, is itself really really selfish um and and that's that's i guess where where craig is coming down yeah i i think that the push and pull between sort of collective life and individualism is kind of what defines american culture you know, and that we are, um, as a people, if I can generalize, you know, which I know is a little, uh, always a little dodgy, you know, um, I think we are a hyper individualistic society. And I also think that at times we, you see the most beautiful kinds of uh, community um, involvement uh, imaginable. Um, I think it's both. And I've seen across this pandemic some 
you know, just astonishing uh, levels of individualism and um, of just me, 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 me. Um, that has that really sometimes you know can break your spirit mm. at moments when you think you know remember the first two weeks of the pandemic you know thinking oh you know we're all going to come together and then being like nope that didn't actually <laughs> happen you know the division sort of flared up um, but I guess what I would say is that you know if if that's the push and pull like let's find the beauty in that tension if I'm going to be really positive about it you know and let's um, you know, what are the what are the best things that can come out of both that sort of drive to kind of um, and ambition and uh, and push that people have when they think about their own self-interest, but also like how that can be mitigated and needs to be mitigated by thinking about everyone. Um, but I do think the pandemic has really underscored that we're all connected. You know, I'm connected to a homeless man who lives on the street corner and I'm connected to that that person who lives in the mansion on the hill, like mm. we're all connected and, you know, you can't, you know, you, you can't, you can't get out of that. We're all the human species, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, uh, Devin, we've only got about 30 seconds left, but I want to put the same question to you that I did to my friend Lynn. What is, what's the one part of this that you will fight to the end to preserve uh, into the world uh, when we get back to normal? What, what is the one thing that you have to take with you? out of this? I think it's taking time to think um, about how my actions affect other people. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. That's pretty deep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Devin Powers, uh, Associate Professor uh, at the Klein College of Media and Communication at Temple University and author of On Trend, The Business of Forecasting the Future. It was really great to have you here for this conversation. Thanks so much. Stephen, thank you for having me. It's been a joy. Yeah. Okay, that is going to do it for us this week. Uh, I'll be back on Monday when we're going to take a look at local efforts to vaccinate one of the most difficult populations here in Metro Detroit, the homeless. Think about all of the ways that uh, we need to make sure that they have access to vaccinations and how difficult that is given how difficult it has been to get every other part of the population here in Southeast Michigan uh, to get those vaccines. This is 1019 WDET-FM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk again on Monday.